a lot of truth in that little video, huh? Um, before we dig into scripture this morning in our study, just a reminder, this is a James 5 Sunday. And if you're, again, if you're not familiar with that, just the way that works is any time during the uh, service the morning, just feel, if you, if you would like someone to pray with you, for whatever reason, maybe something you're dealing with, maybe something somebody that you love is dealing with, and you would just like someone to pray with you. Just go ahead and go out. There'll be there's folk out in the uh, lobby upstairs and on the first floor, and they'll just direct you to a couple of elders. They'll sit down, sit down with you, and just say, "What can we pray with you for?" And they'll pray, and then we come back. We don't use it as a tool to manipulate God or make Him do what we want done. We're just trying to obey Scripture. Mike mentioned earlier in James five, it says, "If you have an issue, call for the elders of the church to pray for you." And so that's what we want to do this morning. So feel free. I won't be terribly offended. Maybe just a little bit. Not much. If, in fact, anyway, anytime during this service, you need to just go out and have someone pray for you. I want to encourage that. Okay, if you look behind me, if you've seen all the, the icons up there, uh, those are icons for some of the social media sites that are out there. Here's what you want to do. You want to couple up with somebody, small team, and figure out what those are. Some of you all, I, I know, have them memorized backwards, but, but the rest of you, I want you to figure out what they are. You'd be, it'd be to your advantage if you could grab a young person to join in your team. Let me tell you. Go ahead and take just a couple minutes to do that. A couple seconds to do that. Okay, do you have them all? You got them all lined in? Got it figured out? Let me, let me, let me kind of go through and some of you, I might need to be corrected if I get this wrong. The N, that's LinkedIn, right? YouTube is what? YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Okay. So you all are more savvy on this than you know. The ghost looking thing, that is Snapchat. Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting. You can send someone a picture and then as soon as they open it, it's like just several seconds and then it goes away. That's the kind of deal. Now the little Martian looking guy, Teletubby. So what is that? Reddit, yes, Reddit. Uh, that one is not as we're all on that one. Okay, the the multicolored O is what? Instagram. The the little bird is Twitter. You can send a tweet. Uh, the F, of course, is Facebook, and then the P is. Pinterest, yes, yes, you guys are social media savvy. That's that's wonderful. Um, World Wide Web was launched 1990. Now, for me, that was like yesterday. Uh, for some of y'all, you know, they're thinking, "Oh, that's so 90s." What? It's like yesterday, wasn't it? And in 1993, there was a whopping 600 websites out there. That was the year that the White House decided to go online and the United Nations decided to go online. In 1994, the first real browser was out. It was called Netscape. Maybe you, you access this. It's allow you to, to get out and check out the different things. 98, uh, Google came around and a lot has changed. A lot has, is, is evolved since that first launch in 1990. Today, just a single day on the internet, Every day, 16 years worth of video is uploaded. 
So if you wanted to see all the video that's put on the internet just for today, it would take you 16 years watching it consistently before you saw the video that was put on just today. There are 6 billion Google searches each day. Series asked 144 million questions. There are 5.7 billion texts each day, which is amazing. There's only 7 billion people in the world, right? 205 billion emails each day. Nielsen, this is, I think this is fascinating. Nielsen has said that in a single month, Americans will spend 906 million hours on social media alone. Now, I'll give you some perspective. 906 million hours. How much time is that? That's in one month, Americans will spend the equivalent of 103,000 years on social media alone in one month's time. Uh, well, I mean, that's pretty substantial. The social media thing is is huge. And, of course, there's no bigger one than, than Facebook. Facebook is the granddaddy uh, of them all in social media. Uh, it has 1.86 billion active users, not guys who started a page years ago and they haven't seen it since. 1.86 billion active users. 4.75 billion pieces of content are on new every day. There are five new profiles every second. In the United States, one in every five internet searches or hits goes to Facebook. And so, I mean, this is big, big business. And just so we know how these things work. It's, it's capitalism at its best. I'm not, not bashing. But, but how these guys make their money, of course, is uh, you. They sell your eyes, basically, to advertisers. And and so if they can get you to come to their site, and if they can get you to use their app, they're going to be able to make more money for for their uh, you know for their profit sharing for their for their stock people. It, it's not necessarily that all of them are interested in making our lives more efficient. I'm not saying that's not maybe part of the equation somewhere for some maybe more than others, but. Many of them, the vast majority of them, are driven by the bottom line. You can go to conferences if you're an entrepreneurial sort of person and you want to get your own app out there. You can go to conferences where they will teach you how to work on the psychological downfalls of people to get them addicted to your site. So you can have them coming so you can sell advertising and make money. This is big business. 46% of the corporations in America say that, that Facebook is a primary force of advertising for their company. So this is a big, big dollar deal that's going on. Now, the Internet, it's, it's fascinating. There are one billion sites today. Remember, there are 600 sites back in 93. One billion today. As far as pages, because every site will have, you know, can have multiple pages, Washington Post, and they're just guesstimating because nobody really owns the internet. They're guesstimating Washington Post that there are 305 billion pages on the internet. And that's, that's the surface. There's something called the deep web. When you do a Google search, Google comes across the top, but there's the deep web. That means there are web pages that they don't have access to. It's been guesstimated that there are 35 trillion of those. That equals out to being 5,000 pages for every single man and woman and child on this planet. That's an incredible amount of information. And it used to be 
that the way you access this is with your computer, right? Or maybe if you were really uh, mobile, you could have your, your laptop and go. But something happened in 2007, right? Steve, or, uh, yeah, Steve Jobs came to his Macworld Expo and he held up one of these things. And, and two things were, were big with that. First of all, you don't have buttons anymore that you push like you had on your old Blackberry or whatever. You have, it's finger. You touch and you, and you swipe and you pinch. You know, totally revolutionized stuff with a touch screen. But also, bigger than that, much bigger than that, was you no longer needed your computer to access the internet. This was it. This was your exit ramp or entrance ramp onto the World Wide Web. So you could have that with you all the time. 94% of adults in this country have a, a phone. Most of them smartphones. Over 70% of teenagers claim they either have a smartphone or they have access to a smartphone. So they can get on the Internet as well. Now, you, you need to know, this. I'm not going to be bashing. This is not anti-social uh, media, and it's not pro-social media. It's not pro-internet or, or anti, because uh, internet can't be... Uh, Immoral. I mean, I mean, I mean, plastic and ceramic and metal. It's not such a thing as righteous or unrighteous. Those things. It's what it is. It's how we use it. And this can be used. I mean, if you think about this, this is an incredible, incredible device. You know, with this, this little thing. You know, I carry in my pocket. I have access to just about everybody in this world. I can talk to my sponsor of my compassion kid in Guatemala right now if I wanted to, or my sponsor of my, remember, new girl in Kenya, or my missionary friend in Paris, or my mom in Memphis, or my, my wife upstairs, you know, in our, our bedroom. I have access to this right here. And it's not just texting or emailing. I can go with FaceTime or I can Skype. I mean, we're talking face to face. Any, anywhere in the world, anybody is in the world. It's a fascinating little device. The, the, the music I have access to. Before, it used to be whatever comes on the radio I kind of listen to, but I wish this one thing would come on. I, if, if I want Beethoven, if, if I want Benny Goodman, if I want the Bee Gees, if I want Beyonce, I can get it right any time of night or day, right what I want to hear, when I want to hear it. I'm standing out in the middle of a cornfield, and I, I, I come across, I want to read War and Peace. For whatever reason, I want to read it in the middle of the cornfield. That's okay. I can download that and read almost virtually any, any book right there. This is phenomenal. This little, this little camera, man, this blows away my old Nikon. And I can take pictures or videos and then edit them and then, then keep different, uh, you know, I used to have to keep those old big box of, you know, big uh, photo albums. I keep them all here now. I can share them with whoever I want to share them. I'm at the store and I got two things. My wife said, get one of them. I wasn't sure which one. So I just take pictures of them both and send it to her. And she says, take that one. Got it. Not a problem. This is fascinating. Uh, we're driving back from this place. From, I forget where we were, uh, but we were following our GPS. She was taking us home and all of a sudden she kicks in. No one asked her, but she just spoke in and she said, there's an accident ahead. Reroute on the next exit. 
And she took us around the accident. Saved us like 15 minutes. Didn't even ask her to do this. I was at my friend's place a while back. And we were going to go to his, his cabin. He has a pretty nice cabin in northern Wisconsin. And so we uh, stopped off to see him. Just before we left, he pulled out his phone. And he took care of his security system. And he adjusted the air conditioning in his cabin 100 miles away that we were going to. This thing is just fantastic. I have access with this to this. All the brightest thinkers. YouTube. You want to know how to tie a bow tie, or you want to know how to replace a garbage disposal, or your engine's making that one noise, what do you do with it? It will, it will tell you, troubleshoot, it will help you lead, lead you through. This is truly a phenomenal device. If you have the Wegmans app, you can figure out if Wegmans has your thing or not, peach order, and it'll tell you what aisle it's in, so you don't have to go walking all over the store. Best of all, you can order your Chipotle online, and then when you get there, you bypass all the lines. It's an incredible device. And this is good for you spiritually too. You know, the, the Uversion app. Uversion is like one of the top five out of a million plus apps that are out there. It's a Bible app. I hope you've got it because you can get any version of the Bible you want in virtually any language you want it. You can get commentary. You can get reading plans. And this church in Oklahoma came up with this because what they wanted to do is beam down the Bible basically into all these closed countries to places where they couldn't have a Bible or it's very difficult to have a Bible. So you can download it on your phone. You're hanging out. You're, you're with the Bible. And all of a sudden the guards come to your door. You just delete, and as soon as they leave, back up again, you keep on going. This was the, the, the goal. Fantastic uh, tool. Uh, you can you have access to all, every hymn, every piece of worship music, you can listen, you can watch Andy Stanley or John MacArthur. You can go, you can go through some of the best preachers of, of the day. You have access to theological libraries, unbelievable thinking. There are apps on how to memorize God's word. There are apps hold you accountable for sharing your faith uh, spiritually we should be perfect right with this thing but there's some issues with this too right they say and i'm sure this one will be fixed but the the screen messes with your circadian rhythm and kind of messes up your sleep uh, patterns study after study after study shows that folk who are on here much, especially social media, the more you're on this, the more prone you are to depression and anxiety. And part of the reason, you're looking at everybody else's Facebook page, and they're all smiling and happy, and you're going, man, they went on vacation there. And man, their kids are doing so great and doing that. And and man, these guys are always happy. And, and you, you, there's a little envy, and there's a little struggle, and there's... Well, I don't want them to think I'm less, and so I'm making my Facebook page look really cool, and we're all happy and smiling, even though we might not necessarily be. But I'm putting it there, so they go home, and they look at mine, and they go, they're so together. They got it all figured out. How come we're not? And so it can develop an anxiety within you. They call it FOMO. Remember, you heard of this? Fear of missing out. See other people doing well and having a good time, and I'm just not having as good a time as other people are having. Uh, it's interesting, but the studies show that that uh, with social media, the more you're on social media, the purpose of it is it can develop relationships long uh, range, people from a far distance. But the more you're on social media, developing those far distance relationships. The more one is on, the greater damage is done to relationships in proximity. 
I don't have time for relationships with you because I'm talking to somebody in, you know, Ethiopia. And so, so it, it works in that way. There's several, several studies out by, by neurobiologists, psychologists, psychiatrists who are saying that when you enter into this virtual world, one of the things you just have to keep in mind is that this promotes cursory reading. It, com- it promotes a, a hurried and, and distracted um, thinking. It promotes a superficial lifestyle because you get in there and stuff is coming at you so fast, you don't have time to really deal with it. You just, if you do, you take time, you stop, you're going to be left behind. And so you've got you've to move on. So there's some, there's some issues with our, our, our phone. And so what we... This is, this, is the, this is the whole impetus behind this series. Because we're all just about on it. Our kids, our grandkids are there. Uh, because there's so much potential for good and so much equally potential for bad. And, and because it can claim a huge part of our, our time, you stop and say, I wonder if God's word says anything about how we navigate our digital lives. I think it does. I believe, that, start off with the premise that I believe our desire is to have our digital lives underneath the lordship of Christ. That's what we, that's what we want. That's why we're here, right? And so we're going to be looking at his words. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be examining different principles. Next week, for example, this is really cool. If you are a parent of, of, of young kids, a grandparent, uh, these guys are growing up with this stuff. Next week, Pastor Mike will be talking to the parents, especially how do you parent your children or grandparent your children in a digital world? Important stuff. You don't want to, you don't want to miss that. Now, let me give you some terms. And these terms are, as we get into the study, we might be coming back to these. They're going to help us a little bit. First term is, is digital natives. Now, a digital native is somebody who's about 30 years old and younger. They grew up here. This is, they don't know life without the internet, right? That's, that's how they, they have, uh, their brain has been wired accordingly. They, they understand life this way. Uh, then there are the digital immigrants. Digital immigrants, people like me. Where you know what? We were, grew up without the internet, without the digital world, and did okay, and had life, and it was fun, and the, the way we understood life and was without this. And so, what we realize, we're in a digital world today. We're not going back. And so I need to try to accommodate and, and learn a second language. But the digital language for us immigrants is a second language. And so how many times have I asked my daughter, explain that hashtag thing for me again. How does that work, that hashtag thing? And I still don't get it. Then you, how many times have you had to ask your kids, bail me out here? And they roll their eyes, but they do it anyway. Please, if you're a digital native, you've got to give grace to the immigrants. For you guys, it's your native tongue. For some of other guys, it's the second language. And some of us are not real good with language. So we're, we're struggling, we're, we're working there. A couple other words. One is a technophobe. A technophobe is one who looks, and maybe you find yourself in this category, one who looks at the internet as it's all demonic. You know, it's a Satan's deal, and it's a bad thing, and it's just awful, and they're afraid of it, and they're just not having anything to do with it. Uh, they're, they're, tech, they're, they're a, 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 a Immigrant who's decided I'm not learning any new languages. I'm just gonna. That's just the way it is. They're 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 not there. Then there's also right the technophiles. 
And these folk love the internet. They can do no wrong. They are committed to it. They've embraced it with everything they've got. They love the internet, the technophiles. And you might find yourself was probably in one of those categories. Maybe you're thinking I'm somewhere in between. But uh, those language helps us as we as we move forward with this. Now, let me uh, mention just a couple things with this. Uh, a couple concerns with with our, our phones. And you need you need as we, as we look into this a little bit deeper. One of the, the problems that we have with our phones is the problem of addiction. Believe it or not, University of Connecticut has a center set up, the Center for Technology and Internet Addiction. And what the the author or the the professor there who runs it, uh, he's authored several books. Doctor David Greenwald, I believe, says that ninety percent of adults either abuse, misuse, or overuse their phones. That's all of us. And so we ask ourselves: Is my phone an addition to my life? Is it a utility helping me get where I need to go, or is it an addiction in my life? And so you, you start pushing those things through. Well, how do, how do I know if it's an addiction or not? Let me ask you some questions, and we'll, uh, you can tell me where you are with these. Do you check your phone the last thing at night? The last thing you do before you go to bed, check the phone. The first thing you do in the morning... Check the phone. Sometimes even before you get out of bed, actually 50% of adults surveyed said they check their phone first thing before they even get out of bed. If so, you may be addicted. Does your family ever complain to you about your phone usage? Hmm, could, could be. Do you have to have it out during meals? Right? Family game time. You have to have the thing out. Are you anxious when it's not with you? You're feeling like, ah, I gotta have this. Um, are you accessing it while you're in church in the pastor's preaching? Okay, that might be, that's a good sign for sure. <laughs> Years ago, a guy, a psychologist, Harvard psychologist, B.F. Skinner, he, really fascinating. Uh, he put together a, a box, bunch of rats in it. He had a mechanism where if they hit the lever, uh, I forget the exact number of times, like 20 times, they would get a food pellet. So every 20 times they get the lever, they get a food pellet. The rats figured this out. Fine. Then he had another box, put rats in it, had the same mechanism. But he adjusted the times it has to be hit. So it was varied. So perhaps 10 times and they get a food pellet. Perhaps 200 times and they get a food pellet. And what he observed was these rats, where it was varied, were like on steroids. They were just bam, 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 just hitting that because they never knew. They knew that if they hit it enough, it would come, but they just weren't sure when. And so they were going, going to town. And what he had determined was the same thing is true in us humans. This is, it's, it's like a, a slot machine. Right? You pull the lever. We've learned if you pull the lever enough time, by the way, I'm not advertising gambling here, but if you pull the lever enough times, sooner or later, you'll get a treat. And so what happens with that anticipation, that excitement, that anticipation and excitement releases a dopamine or serotonin or oxytocin. These are feel-good chemicals in your brain. It's like a kid at Christmas time. You know, he's got the present and he's bouncing up and down. Hurry, can we open it? Hurry, hurry, hurry. And he's just kind of freaking out because the anticipation of what's in it. And he said that, that when we face our email... We go back, even though we were just there 15 minutes ago, because we never know. There might 
be something new. There might be a treat. There might be something from a long lost person or, or something exciting. We go back and check the news even though we were just there because there could be an, a change and something new that happened and, and we, we need to, to know about, about that and we need to go back and check our social media because maybe there's another like or maybe there's a, a new comment on my, my special thing. And so it's that, that uh, those chemicals going off, dopamine being secreted in our mind. Those are the same chemicals that are secreted drinkers, smokers, behavioral addictions. So this thing can be incredibly addictive. And we, we end up going back, living, living in this, this arena as, as well. The problem is, now the difference is you go to the casino, and I'm not advocating this, please. You go to the casino and you play the slots for however much time, which is all wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. But then you leave, right? But here, you like bring the slot machine with you and you put it in your back pocket. And so 24-7, 365 days a year, you, you hit the lever, you hit the lever, you hit the lever because you might have something, you might have something, you might have something. And what that does, we were never designed for that kind of an adrenaline rush, for our brains to have that release of chemicals. And that rewires, according to the studies, our brains, literally, how we think, how we focus, how we, how we move through life. Now, there are a couple of... Oh, Real issues, I think, as followers of Christ, children of God, a couple of real issues, I think, that we need to pay attention to. And again, the, the, this, this message this morning, 30,000 foot overview, just big picture as we gear up for the rest. But two, I think, concerns that we need to keep in mind. One is that uh, social media, internet, especially social media, can be a platform for self-promotion. Can be a, a platform for self-promotion. Promotion for moving at a key word that social media has been associated with is narcissism. It's when I get the likes. It's when I get shares. People shared my comments. Makes me feel good. It, it's it's an I start putting down the things on there with the hope that I'll get the likes. With the hope that I will have people share my deal. With hopes that I will get the special comments. And so I manipulate the image a little bit with my, my pictures and with everything that I do in order to get that positive feedback. Uh, her name is Dorothy Friedis, Donna Friedis, excuse me. She wrote The Happiness Effect. Fascinating book, sociologist, and she especially worked with millennials. And she said that millennials had an interesting issue regarding their social media. They were afraid of it. Because of this, these are a lot of these were kids starting off their careers or still in college, and they knew that future employers would look at their social media. And future employers would hire them or not based on their media pages. And future employers do uh, research into their social media. And therefore, they have to go. They cannot be putting pictures up of whatever. They cannot be saying whatever on there. Whether they think it or not, they have to project a certain image because they want the employer to look at their social media page and think, wow, this guy is humble and he's cool and he's active and he's conversant and he's somebody we want working for us. What's amazing to me is this generation, uh, they hold on to what is referred to as, you know, authenticity, realness, and yet they're not able to on their social media qu- quite often. It's a general statement, but more true than not. 
also in her in her book she she interviewed many many uh, gals in sororities who said that in the sorority house there was a, a girl who was their, their their web gatekeeper and any anything they wanted to put on their personal social media page had to go through her first because there was a special image that they were trying to portray regarding the sorority and you were not allowed to put anything out there that did not fit that image. Think of entrepreneurial people for a moment and, and the whole entrepreneurial spirit is huge especially among the millennials. They are going out and starting their own companies and whatever else and so on one level there has to be self-promotion, right? You have to, you want to put your best foot forward and self-branding, they call it personal branding. And, but problem is, if you've got this mindset throughout your, who you are, your social media, where it's constantly manipulated, image manipulation and guarded and, and projecting, and it's not really who you are, you know what? It is awful hard to break from that in real life. That's who you become. And so there's a, a shallowness, and you not end up being the person he has called you to be. Now, the Bible says a whole lot about this pride thing. But let me, let me mention this. First, please don't think that you don't have a pride monster in you, because I do, you do. Of the seven deadly sins, it's the number one, and it feeds all the others. Remember, this, is, this was the first, I think this is the first sin. This was before the Garden of, of Eden sin. Um, listen to this about Satan. It says, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who are laid, you who laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. And social media can Feed that. Now, there's a lot of folk on social media. Well, that's not, that's not the issue. Our church, many churches are on social media organizations. They're in social media. It doesn't require that, but we just need to be aware of the danger that we've got a pride monster, and this can feed it. This can feed it in a major radical way. <laughs> Scripture talks about this. Uh, again, Proverbs Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Look where pride will take you next. It says, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. But this is the one to whom I, that I, the Lord, will look. Or this is the one whom I will dwell with. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Matthew, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Again, we go on and on and on. This is one of the major themes of Scripture because God knows you cannot rightly worship him if the pride monster in your heart is strong. You can't do it. You can give lip service, but you're busy promoting self, and we just need to keep in mind as followers of Christ, when we're there, when we're there, that it can have that temptation. And so we have to ask ourselves, why am I here? Why am I posting what I'm posting? I've got to keep in mind, I'm not of value because I get likes. I'm not in value because I get friends. I've got a friend that sticks closer than a brother, right? I don't have likes. God loves me. I'm not important because my thoughts were shared. You know, I must decrease, but he must increase. 
and uh, the social media world certainly needs bright light. They need the testimony of Christ, and some of us certainly do that. It's a wonderful thing, but we just got to be conscious that when we walk into this this world, it's it's uh, going to feed our, our pride monster if we're not careful, and we'll never know him like we could know him if that pride is strong. It was just it just won't be. We have to be crucified to Christ. There's another issue though. And maybe perhaps the, the greatest one. Promotion of self is, of course, the issue, but also distraction from truth is, is what a, a major, major issue. You know, Tim Keller was asked a while back. Uh, Tim Keller, pastor at Redeemer Press in uh, Manhattan. Church is filled with, uh, um, millennial types, uh, stockbroker people, uh, happening, uh, movers and shakers from Manhattan. And he was asked, what is the the biggest obstacle to these young professionals growing in Christ. He said, noise and distraction. Because again, once you, you've, you've poured yourself into the internet, the, the bings and, and the, the vibrations, they, they, they elicit a, 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 a uh, need to pull the, the lever. It, it's, it rewires your brain to the point where studies mentioned that your productivity in work diminishes because your ability to focus diminishes. Now, here's the deal. If, if my job, right, if I, is to be in God's word, but, but I can't focus there. I'm trying, maybe. I want both things going on. And so I'm trying, but it's just, I'm just not going to be able to get there because this thing is rewiring my brain. Anything that might hinder my time alone with God as a believer in Christ, I've got to say, I've got to be careful about this. I'm not saying shut it down, but i just got to be careful about this. And scripture on this, too, is very, very, very clear. This is Psalm 119. He says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. You see, it's imperative that as believers, we don't mess with anything that's going to hinder our ability to meditate on God's word. Your ability to know him. Your ability to understand his will, your ability to understand his word, your ability for biblical wisdom is dependent on your ability to meditate. And and if, in fact, your brain's been rewired to the point you just can't meditate anymore, you, you will lose that intimacy with him. You will lose that influence you might have. We've got one life down here, right? We've got less sand in the hourglass this week than we had last week. One day it'll be all done. And so we've got so much time we need to influence him. And if we're doing that, which is going to hinder that, we just got to ask, how do I do it? Next text. This is interesting. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning, that's the word for repentance, and rest, you shall be saved in quietness and in trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling. He says, there's a way where you will have spiritual strength. There's a way you'll have, you want to have spiritual peace of mind? The way there, he's told us. It's through being quiet, resting with him. It's that stillness. And if, in fact, we're not able to be still... We, we shut ourselves down. What we do is we block our ears. We're trying to hear God, but when we go, the only noise ringing through our ears is what we've come up with on, online. And we can't hear it. We just can't hear it. Um, the next text, be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. 
our understanding of the fact that, you know what, it's going to be okay. God is in charge. It's going to be okay. Our, our God will win. It comes to being still before him. And if we can't, fear is, again, we've, we've got all the time in the world for this, but we don't have it for this. We've got time to be here and be with all the gazillion friends, but the friend that sticks closer to the brother, ah, we'll get to it one day. And we, it's just, it's really no skin off God's back, if I can say it that way. We lose uh, that. So what's the, what's, the, what's the solution? Well, let me just propose this throughout this series. And that's this, that we go on a, a tech Sabbath. Uh, a digital detox, if you will, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, internet fast. And that's how this is. It's, it's one 24 hour period in the week. Uh, every single week between now and the time the series is done. You might say, oh, how many series, how many weeks this isn't going to go? Just, just, just six weeks. <laughs> and then after that, if you need to go back, you do. But, but here's the deal. This is, this is, we're talking unplugged. We're talking phone goes off. Unplugged. Uh, someone told me last service, they said, after the service, they said, well, we're going between three Saturday afternoon to three Sunday afternoon because whatever their schedule was, they, they had to, uh, however. Uh, but, but keep in mind, no email, no texting, and of course, no phone, no word processing, no shopping online, no listening to Andy Stanley, if you want, unless you live in Georgia, that's, that's fine. But no podcasts, no reading the book on your Kindle app, no Spotify or Pandora, the worship music stuff, shut down the radio, no television. We're talking a tech fast. And you might be thinking, for crying out loud, that's my life. What else do you do? I got nothing else to do. Go for a walk, maybe. Go out and play catch or shoot hoops with your kid. Maybe be still and know that he's God and pray or journal or just go enjoy his beauty in the peninsula. Some board games with the family. When I was at uh, Columbia Bible College, they, they... really thought that Sunday was the Christian Sabbath, and therefore you couldn't study on Sunday when I was there as a college student. You couldn't um, go out to eat on Sunday. You could not place any kind of sports, ultimate frisbee, nothing on, on, on Sunday. You couldn't do anything on Sunday. Now, forget the theology behind that for a minute. You may or may not be there, uh, but you need to know uh, I was not there, and I was angry. And part of the reason why is I was an older student, and I was into efficiency of time, man, and you give me a whole day, I can get stuff done and get ahead, and I had to work as well as go to school, and so I needed this time, and yada, 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 yada. But I complied because I'm kind of a compliant person, so I got that. But inside, I was ticked off. I was... I was not... I was not a happy camper. About halfway through that second semester, I realized, you know what? I had fallen in love with Sundays. I loved it. I could come home from church and go for a walk. They had a beautiful campus. I'd get out on the tennis court. No one was playing tennis. That wasn't a problem. With my journal and just write and think about people that I really had no time to think about during the week. And myself and my walk with the Lord, it was a glorious, glorious time. 
And I wonder if, in fact, some of us might say, I'm going to do this. Not I'm going to try, but I'm going to do this. Now, keep in mind, we don't want to be legalists. If you're a medical sort of person, you have to have the pager on for crying out loud. Keep it on, right? Don't. But I wonder if when we're done, and you need to know, you start this, those first week or two, you're going to be going, you're going to struggle. I, I, I'm just telling you on the front end. But by the end, I wonder if you'll be saying, you know what? I kind of like that. As for me and my family, this day's tech fast at home. It's just the way it's going to be. And if we can get back to a place where we can hear the small voice of God, where we can say, you know what, this does not control me. Anything you can't fast from, by the way, you're addicted to. This does not control me. Uh, I desire Christ to be Lord of my, my digital life as well. Just to be still before him and know he's God. Wow. You wonder what he might do in, in us as a church, in our families, in us as individuals. So let me, let me pray for you. And as your, as your heads are bowed, just be thinking for a minute. Actually, while your heads are bowed, would you like grab your bulletin and grab a pen? Just between, this is just between you and God. If you want to do this tech fast, if you're going to commit to it, Again, I know, I know I'm, I'm with y'all. If it's like, oh, that's an interesting idea, I'll think about it. We'll leave and never do anything about it. If you will commit to this, just write down on your bulletin somewhere, yes. You don't have to hand it in. We're not grading. We're not keeping a database on this one. And kind of drive that stake down and say, God, would you help me to have a, a tech fast to focus on you and the gifts that you've given me in my life, my relationships your world.